What's up? Welcome back to Project Freelance. Today, we have our first guest of 2023. Let's get into it. Hi, welcome to Project Freelance. My name is Kay, just the letter K. Nice to meet you. If you are new to the podcast, please hit the subscribe button. If you are a veteran listener, if you've listened to more than one episode of the show, please leave a rating and feedback. It helps the podcast grow and it helps me out. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. This show is all about freelancing where I provide you tips and tricks for growing your freelance business. I also have guests on to share their stories and their tips, their ideas on how you can improve your business as well. This week on the podcast, my guest is Sarah Duran. She runs Fruition Initiatives. She has several online courses. She just put a book out and she is a freelancer herself. Super stoked to talk to her this week on the podcast. Before we get into it, I need to thank our partner, Liquid Death Mountain Water. If you've never heard of Liquid Death, well, it's water. You need more water. It's 2023. One of our goals is to drink more water this year and be healthier and murder our thirst with Liquid Death. If you want to give Liquid Death a try, they have still sparkling and three flavors of water. Don't worry, it may look scary, but it's just water. You can go to liquiddeath.com and use promo code just the letter K for 10% off your order on the site. You have to get a case of water or, you know, you could get 50 cases of water if you work at a bar or venue and you need water and you're tired of using plastic bottles. Liquiddeath.com, get a case of water, get a koozie set and use promo code just the letter K for 10% off. They also have really cool merchandise. They have watches. They have, I just got their soccer jersey. Uh, they have some really cool stuff on there. So definitely go peruse liquiddeath.com. If you want to get to know me a little bit more, you can follow me at K Inagonio on Instagram or Twitter or Project Freelance on any of those platforms. And uh, yeah, I make YouTube videos about photography on youtube.com slash just the letter K, or you can read my blog, see my photography, see my video work at just the letter K.com. Thank you guys for tuning in this week. Let's get into it. Sarah, please introduce yourself and what it is you do to the Project Freelance audience. I'm Sarah Duran. I have... Let's see. I've been a freelancer for about eight years. I think I'm going on eight years this year. Um, I spend, so as a freelancer in the client side of my business, I spend 80% of my time doing freelance um, project management. I have a really weird specific niche where I manage large scale research projects, mostly for universities and academics. And then I also do like other types of things like I will do um, like strategic planning or other types of business development. I'll sometimes do project management for folks that don't fall into that category. So I'll do like other types of project management, but the majority of the work I do on the client side of my business is in that specific um, niche. And then the like side, the like side hustles and side hustles of, of my business are um, I about Three years ago now, I started um, developing content specifically for freelancers. So I have a series of courses for freelancers. Um, I have, I write a blog and a Substack. Um, my Substack's a little bit more, it's geared toward um, not specifically freelancers, but freelancers sort of one of my sub audiences for my Substack. And then um, I also have a podcast, which hopefully we'll have you on in the near future, um, called The Freelance Revolution that I do with a part, uh, business partner of mine um, whose name is Leah Myers. And she focused, she 
is also a freelancer, but does very different work than I do and um, works almost exclusively off of the Upwork platform. So we bring like very different perspectives to freelancing, which is like sort of nice when we, um, for our discussions on the podcast. Wow. Uh, That's awesome. I love that you do like so many different things and that you're like very like well-rounded in the space. I try. (laughs) Sometimes (laughs) it feels like it's just a little, a lot, a lot of things, but yeah, um, I try. (laughs) (laughs) So take me back to like the very beginning of your, you know, development as a freelancer. Let's talk about your education background and, and like, did you go to school for anything like a trade school? Like for me, I'm a full-time freelance videographer and photographer. So I have a film degree, a bachelor's, I studied abroad. So, um, kind of a wild story that we don't have to get into, but, um, yeah, I, I'm definitely curious about your your background as like ed, as far as education goes. Yeah, so I have um I have like pretty I don't know if generic is the right word. I have like a liberal arts degree that I don't <laughs> really use in my day to day work. Um, so I have a bachelor's in political science. I have a master's in um, curriculum and instruction. So I started my career as a teacher. And um, I taught for a couple of years, and then I worked for a variety of educational nonprofits after that, um, which is where I started managing projects and specifically research projects. And so that's where, when um, I left, um, which I can get into like why that happened, if that's interesting. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, So basically, I got um, a job that was like the best job I'd ever had checked, like all the boxes I thought needed to be checked in terms of like money autonomy. I worked exclusively from home. It was a great job. The team was great. My boss was great. The organization was great. And I realized that I still like, wasn't happy and I couldn't figure out why. Um, so this was, so that that's when I was like, I just need to quit my job and figure out something else. Um, I also obviously still needed to make money. And so I, what I first decided to do was get my real estate license, which I ended up getting. Um, In the meantime, I ended up going back to people that I'd worked for in the past and just like seeing if they wanted to hire me as a contractor to basically do the same job. I was, well, not exactly the same job, but managing some of the same projects I managed before, but paying me as a contractor. Um, the real estate gig did not pan out the way I thought it would. And the contract work ended up being super lucrative. I got, I ended up getting just like a bunch of referrals and like repeat work. And so in, uh, let's see, the end of 2016 is when I um, officially incorporated my company. Um, And I've been doing that ever since. So can you talk about the importance of you know, incorporating, doing an S corp or, you know, any of those like LLCs, can you kind of dive into that a little bit? Because a lot of freelancers are trying to figure out like, should they incorporate, should they get an LLC? Like where, like what makes it worth it to do it for the cost of it? If that makes sense. Totally. I mean, so like cost wise and my like caveat will be like, ask your accountant, because I think there are, there are like, which I don't totally like won't I'll tell you a little bit about like how why I did it and I think it's like actually pretty easy to do it um but there are also like tax implications that once you reach a certain threshold of the amount of money you're making it just makes more sense tax wise to be an LLC and that's where I would like I don't know like I would ask an accountant about that sure but I will say that 
um, having an, um, like an official business name, I think like bottom line makes you look more professional, especially if you can just, which all these things, like I thought were before I did it, I was like, this feels really hard. Like, how do you even get an LLC? How do you get a domain name? Like all those things turns out it's way easier than I thought it was. Um, I formed my own LLC, like on the department, like state department of Colorado website, um, it cost me 60 bucks. Um, filing your taxes as an LLC is much more expensive than filing your taxes as a, um, individual, like a sole proprietor. So that's like one expense to take into account, but the actual formation of the LLC, at least in Colorado was super simple. Um, I did it because, um, I wanted, I, it was almost like for me, more of a psychological thing. Like I needed to establish myself as an official business and have a business name. And that was like important for me to like feel legitimate in this like new and scary and risky path I was taking. Um, so I think, like I said, I, there are definitely like, I think financial reasons to do it. Um, which I would like ask an accountant what the, like what those thresholds look like. Cause I also know I have a ton of friends who are um, don't have LLCs and are sole proprietors and are perfectly legitimate, amazing freelancers um, and have, and you can even still have a domain name. Like you can call your company something. Um, and it just doesn't make sense for them to do it because of their, like the amount of money that they make every year. So there's income like implications there, but for me, I just, it made me feel psychologically like I was like okay this is a real thing I'm doing it it's real has a name has an LLC has a domain name I'm ready to go yeah no for sure and you know people listening to this definitely like you said speak to your accountant and if you don't have an accountant you should probably get an accountant if you're yes. freelancing you know I think that's pretty important just so you can bounce ideas off of them like you know I I spoke to mine about this very thing you know like when should I get an LLC and so mine was able to tell me like a kind of a threshold that it, which was awesome because it also set a goal for me, you know, like they were like, once you reach this, it, it would make more sense to do it at this point. It's not so like worth it to do it because of like the, the cost of, you know, taxes and stuff. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about niching up. So a lot of freelancers like myself, I do a bunch of different types of jobs. You know, I'm an editor, I'm a videographer, a photographer, I'm a certified drone pilot. I do a lot of things, but a lot of people will only shoot weddings or they'll only do like one thing, you know, but for me, I was like, well, I'll do any type of freelancing that will allow me to get paid, you know? So I shoot, I shoot live music for a band called the red jumpsuit apparatus. So I tour with them and I make daily content for them. Um, and then when I'm home, I, I shoot for like a robotics company. I do sports. I do everything, you know, like anything that will, uh, get me money as far as freelancing goes. But for you, how did you find your niche? And what made you choose that niche? Because I mean, you could have done, you know, what you do for, for anything. So why'd you, why'd you decide to go the route you went? So the main, like in the beginning, the reason I did it is because like I had an existing network. And so like, like I said, when I left, I, when I left my job, I like basically went back to a bunch of people I already knew. and was like, Hey, want to hire me as a contractor? Um, and so like, that was, for me, that was just like the easiest way to find work was to just like tap my existing network. They already trusted me. They knew I was good at what I did. They had no problem hiring me as a contractor. Um, and then I think, so I think there's like multiple things there. I think part of it is about like what you 
are good at and like what you love to do. And so like for me, um, I'm a super organized person. I'm really good at like getting things done. And so like being a project manager is easy for me, um, easier than it is for the people that hire me. And that's why they hire me. Um, and I think that, I mean, I guess like from my point of view, the biggest, the main reason to like niche down is so it makes it, it's, it's counterintuitive. I think niching down actually makes it easier to find work um, because you're super specific about what you do. But I also think that that feels counterintuitive. I also think it depends on skill set, right? So like a skill set like yours, like you don't necessarily have to have a niche because your skill set is like pretty specific. Like right. my skill set is like a little bit like general. Um, and so for me, it's like easier to find um, and I'm better I'm better at what I do because in terms of the research projects that he managed, like I'm really familiar with the process of research. So I like know how it works. I basically like someone comes to me with a research project. I can lay out like soup to nuts what they need to do without them telling me anything. Um, and so that's like one of the other reasons I think it's important to niche down. But I also would say that like personally, I feel like one of the main reasons that I that it's better to work for yourself is that like you can reinvent yourself all the time. And so like. I also like get bored and like, Hey, maybe I should try something different. Maybe I should go do this new thing. And like, I have the power to do that whenever I want. Um, and so I think it's like, you know, I think all marketing people will like tell you to get super specific about your niche. And it's like, you can like choose to change that whenever you want. Yeah. Um, so when you, you know, started establishing yourself, in this field, how did you find your value or your worth? And how long did that take? Was it like an immediate thing? You were like, I'm going to charge this much. Or did it like take you some time to figure out like where you wanted to like price yourself? Such a good question. So um, I'll tell you how I figured it out. And then I'll also tell it because like, I also like coach freelancers on this stuff. And so I'll tell you what I usually tell people to do. Okay. Um, So in the beginning, I had like, I was going back, like I said, like the very first contract jobs, it was like people that I like knew and trusted. They were like close friends of mine that I was working for. Um, and they actually pushed me to charge more. Um, so like I came in and I was like, I don't know, like how much I can charge you for this. And I was like, maybe this, and they're like, maybe like a little bit closer to this. Um, and that's actually happened. I, I, am incredibly lucky to work for the most amazing people and largely most of the people I work for um and are the people that have like done that for me are women um and they have been able to I've had several people over the course of my career that have like actually told me to raise my prices um that is not common no <laughs> so <laughs> the advice that I give everyone else is um talk to as many other freelancers as you possibly can um, and ask them what they're charging because you can't, I think there's, and I can, I could send you a link to this after we get off. There's a blog I wrote a couple months ago about uh, this like more new research about that came out about the gender income gap in specifically in freelancing, mm -hmm. which is awful and way worse than it is in traditional employment scenarios, which is already awful. Um, but like in some sectors, um, male freelancers are making like 80% more than female freelancers. 
So, and it had this article is one of the is a really good resource actually because you can it has it broken out by sector and you wow. can see what people are getting paid. And so it's really easy when someone's hiring you to reference something like that and say, hey, I know what the industry is paying people. Yeah. And so this is what I'm going to charge. That's a great resource. But if you can reference something like that or reference like, hey, I've done my market research, like I've talked to 15 other people that do what I do and this is what they charge that like really builds your credibility. I will also say that like still to this day, I will have conversations with people with that I'm like going to partner with or going to hire for a client or do something like that. And I will like, I just had one of these conversations the other day where I like asked this person about their pricing and I was like, oh shit, I should be charging way more for what I <laughs> So it's still to this day, like if you don't like talk to other people, do your research. Like the only way you're going to know what to charge is to like, see what everyone else is charging. Mm -hmm. Um, and that will make you feel more comfortable asking for it. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I talked about this recently, two things, first of all, uh, freelancers making tips like on top of their payments, it's a very uncommon thing in like the freelancing world. And my argument was like, well, I tip my, my hairstylist. I tip my tattoo artist. Those are all creative things. So yeah. like, why aren't freelancers getting tips? And I, I don't know if you've dealt with this or, uh, had conversations about this, but I would love your, your perspective on that. I think that's a, I like, honestly have a thought like in the field that I'm in, it probably doesn't make a ton of sense because most sure. of my contracts are like grant funded. And so right. it's like very cut and dry. Yeah. But I would say in a field like yours, like I tip my wedding photographer. Right. And like, so I, I think that like, it like in a field where, um, that feel like, I think that totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, the other thing I wanted to dive into is your move back into teaching. And I feel like oftentimes we are spending with new clients. I find myself spending time educating them on what I do because yeah. they don't understand like the, the pricing breakdown. They're like, well, why does it cost this much? And then I have yep. to explain to them, like, well, I have to do all these things. So, uh, speak on that, on educating new clients. And then also moving back into teaching with your online courses. I would love to hear more about that and like what you do in that. Sure. Um, so like client onboarding for me with my like project management clients, um, I mean, I don't, I don't as much have to make the case with like my grant funded project management clients about like how much, how much I'm charging because sure. I'm pretty much in line with like most of the other consultants that they are hiring on their grants, which again is like a product of me doing that research. Right. Um, so I know going in, like I can charge X amount of dollars because everyone else is charging X amount of dollars. Um, I would say like my, um, my like onboarding process with clients is really um, organic. Um, and for me, I think that's super interesting because I actually haven't thought about that. For me, a lot of people hire me, which actually is probably super true for you too. Like people hire me because they are like not good at all at what I do. Correct. Right? Yeah. So they're like totally unorganized. They have no idea how to get from point <laughs> A to point B. Right. Um, and they have this like huge thing that they need to pull off in like X amount of time. Um, and so when I come in, I just like break it down into like manageable pieces um, and like lay out for them, like, here's the path of how we're going to get from point A to point B, which sounds like it's similar to like, I guess I just think about it in a different way. Like I, um, for me, it's like part of the work I do. 
yeah. um, is doing that. And for you, it sounds like it's like more like pre a precursor to the work that you do. Correct. So it's like completely integrated into like the scope of what I do. Sure. Yeah. I, I definitely find myself doing it a lot, especially with people that come to me, for example, a lot of times it's like, you know, and I hate to say this, but it's lower budget projects mm-hmm. where, that they're like, well, I'm, I, I, you know, this is my budget. And like, I don't understand why you want to charge this much because yeah. this is what I can afford. And I'm like, well, this is how long this is going to take me. And yep. this is all the steps I have to take to get you from point A to point B, you know? Yep. So I definitely find myself, uh, having to teach along the way, which I don't have a problem with. It's just like a, a factor of what I do. It's just a part of it. Yeah, totally. Um, and then, yeah, to your second question about the teaching, um, it's interesting because I hadn't really like thought, I guess I did, I haven't explicitly thought of about it like that, but, um, yeah. So like when basically I got to the place where I was like, I, so my courses are mostly focused around, well, actually there's three different ones. One of them is just like how to become a freelancer. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other one is like how to land clients and like make contracts and proposals. And then the third one is like how to project manage your freelance clients. Um, And though all of them came, were like, again, like me just recognizing that like the strength I have in like being able to like linearly see the way things progress is not a strength that everyone has. And so how can I take that and make it easier for people, especially creatives, which is like, you know, as I think a lot of freelancers fall into this like creative space, which most of the creatives I work with have such like a right brain strength that they're not always great at like the left brain organizational stuff. For sure. And they end up spending so much of their free, their time in their business, running their business instead of doing all the others, like doing the actual creative work that they went out on their own to do. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I created my courses is to be able to just say like, Hey, I have that kind of brain. Let me like show you some like tips and tricks and systems for setting up um, your business so that you're able to then like put your business on autopilot and like go do the actual work you want to do instead of like spending all your time spinning your wheels trying to set up systems. Um, so I think that, I mean, like from the like teaching perspective, it felt pretty intuitive to me about like how to lay it out, just like having to know, like knowing um, like having been a teacher and knowing how to like design curriculum, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think it was just like a way for me to be able to help more people than I would be able to like one-on-one. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, I've been, you know, going back and forth on doing an online course. What was that process like for you to actually like create yours? Because I know it's like a, it, from, from where I sit, it's a very daunting thing. Like like I just got uh, a message today. I have two photography books out and my friend was like, Oh my God, this is so daunting. I want to make a photography book, but like, I don't know what to do. And I was like, it was daunting at the beginning, but now that I've done two, it's like much, much simpler, you know, it's much more easy. So can you, can you speak on the process of making your courses? Sure. So, um, yeah, it was definitely daunting. And then I think that like, I, I also didn't do as much market research up front as like I should have. And so I like made my course, which originally was structured as like one long course mm-hmm. and then ended up um, going back and almost completely redoing the whole thing and breaking it up into smaller courses. Um, 
it was, I mean, like for sure what you said, like the first one, the first time I did it was super hard. I had to like plan it. I had to like figure out how to use the platform, plan it all out, get all the collateral, like port all the videos. I had to figure out how to like, just like buy video editing software and like get a microphone and like, how do I record my screen without like hearing all the clicking in the background? And like, <laughs> how do I overlay the music? But like once, just like, um, just like, you know, like I said with like the LLC, like it felt really hard. And then like, once I figured it out, I was like, oh, this actually isn't as hard as I thought. Did it take a lot of time? Yes. But like, once I figured it out, it was also one of the things like for me that like, I just like, couldn't not do it. Like I was like, it was like the thing I wanted to do every day. Mm -hmm. So I would like, like, that was the thing I looked forward to doing was like making the course. Um, But yeah, I mean, basically for me, what I did is I just like mapped out, I just like made slide decks for all the content and then like recorded it. The platform I use is called Kajabi. Um, I think it's a super awesome platform. There's tons of other platforms out there. Um, I was super lucky because my partner that I do the podcast with, that's what she does for a living is builds Kajabi sites and courses for people. So she would always, I would be like, what the hell is this? Like, how do I do this thing? And she would be able to like, help me out. Um, so I did have a really good resource. If anyone wants to build a Kajabi course, you should reach out to her. She's amazing. Um, but yeah, it basically was like, I recorded all, I recorded it all like screen shares on my um like just sharing the slides and like talking through them um posted it all up but then there's like all the things around it like how do you sell it how do you like what is the like it was like a real learning curve um to figure out how to like sell content and I will like full transparency say that like not that many like I don't sell that many of them like, yeah like yeah it's not like I'm making at first it was like if I could sell like 100 of these a month that'd be a lot of money and like it's not not that like other people can't that's not going to work for other people that have a bigger audience than me but like it um yeah I mean I'm glad I did it I'm glad it's out there sure. it's an awesome resource to point people to it's not like it's making me like tons of money in the background. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I tell people all the time, like my book is the least profitable thing I do, but it's the thing I get the most excitement about. Like yep. when someone buys one, I'm like, I saw the book, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. I published my first book this year and I like self-published it on Amazon. Yeah. And every month when I get like my like 20 bucks, for sure, like, you're like, yeah. that bought my book, it makes me so happy. So yes, I totally, <laughs> I totally agree with that. It's so real, you know, and I've talked to, I've got a couple of friends that are, you know, published authors. Some of them, you know, have sold far more than I have, but still, they still say that it's the least profitable thing that they do, but they still love that because it's, you know, a tangible thing that you can give to somebody and they, yeah, it's, totally. it's huge, you know, and I like autograph all of mine and put like a photo print in the book as well. So it's, it's just like something I get so much fulfillment out of. Um, what inspires you to do what you do? Like what, what in the world inspires you? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I mean, for the, for the like content side of my business, like coaching freelancers and the courses and stuff like that, like it really is about that. I fundamentally feel like working for yourself is the right way to go. Um, I feel like it's better. I feel like you have more control over your life. You have more control over your income. You have more control over your time. Um, I just, I fundamentally think it's better. And I think that more people should do it. Um, and so that like, what inspires me on that side is just like helping other people go from like where I was 
where like I didn't like I got my real estate license because it never even occurred to me that working for myself was an option. It never mm-hmm. occurred to me. And then like once I did it, I was like, oh, like this is easier than and not that it's like super easy all the time, but like it's easier than I thought it was. And I just want other people to be able to access that. Um on the on the like client side of my business, I think what inspires me is all of the research projects that I work on now still have to do with K-12 education. And so I'm still like plugged into this like education space and researchers who who are doing like amazing work helping um kids get access to like more equitable education. And so that like definitely inspires me on that side as well. Yeah. Um what do you think the future of freelance is? I it's such an interesting question. Um I hope that the future of freelance is that more people can do it, but like be supported in a way that makes it more feasible. And what I mean by that is like, there's a couple of different um, organizations that I've um, become aware of over the last few years that I've been doing this work that um, are like freelance co-ops or freelance unions where you're able to work for yourself and be completely independent, but you also have a network where you can get health insurance and you can get a retirement fund and you can get like, you can have those pieces that like everyone else gets no questions asked because I really think that those are the things where like so many more people will go out and work for themselves if they knew that they could access those things. Um, and so I hope that the future of freelance is that those kinds of support systems will continue to grow and that will make it so that more people can go out and do independent work. You're telling me that there is a union or organization where we can get health insurance and retirement plans? I am. Well, there, so there's a couple um, so the freelancers union uh-huh. is um, like a big one and they are, uh, uh, are they a 501c3? I think they're a 501c3 nonprofit, but they make their income. They're an income generating nonprofit. They make their income by selling insurance plans. So they're an insurance company that is also a freelancers union. So they do advocacy work on the behalf of freelancers and they also like sell insurance, all types of insurance plans. Um And they have resources for retirement funds. They're also super, like, they have the best resources. They do free, um, like, workshops all the time online. They have a free co-working space in um, New York City. Um, They're wonderful. There's also another one that I became aware of more recently called Gilded. And it's more of a co-op, not a union. And so you're, like, a member. um, And they also have, like, um, in different types of like insurance and things that you can like buy into. Um, but yeah, those are two of the ones. There's also this other one, but I can't remember the name of it. It's also in Quebec. (laughs) I don't think, like, I think they all speak French. I still get their newsletter, but I'm like, I I can't read. Putting it in Google Translate. But there is, but just to say that there are other like networks like that out there, but those are Uh the two that I'm aware of is the Freelancers Union and, um, Guild, the other one. Cool. Wow. So what do you do when you're not freelancing? <laughs> um, I have a four and a half year old. And okay. so I do a lot of that. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. um, and then I have uh, married. So me and my husband and my daughter um, live just outside of Denver. We, I'm a like avid gardener. So I have like basically a small farm in my backyard, cool. including six chickens 
And um, so I do a lot of that in the summertime. Um, I'm not doing that right now, besides like, going outside and making sure my chickens aren't frozen. For, for but, sure. um, but that's like mostly what I do. Um, we're also like big outdoors people. So we like cool. camp and do all that kind of stuff. Well, you live in a great place for that. Yeah, we definitely do. Um, and then my last question for you is what is something you know now that you wish you knew when you started all of this? Um, I mean, I guess just that it's possible. Like, I just didn't think, I just didn't even know that it was possible. Like I knew people who were like, um, like consultants or things like that. But like, I always thought I was like, oh, well they have like X, Y, Z different skill set than I do. Like no one's going to hire me as a consultant or contractor or whatever it is. And so I guess I just didn't even know. I didn't even know that it was possible. Yeah. Well, yeah. Great answer. Um, so if people want to get more involved in the things that you're doing, whether it's to potentially hire you for something or get one of your courses, uh, where can they find you online? Where's the best place people can go? So my website is fruitioninitiatives.com. And on the homepage, you'll find basically everything like my podcast, um, my book. Um, I also just started a line of apparel this year. So um, that's linked on my website as well. Um, my courses are on there. So that's where you can find everything that I do. And my um, sub stack is called the Hustlers Manifesto. And that's also my um, Instagram handle is Hustlers underscore Manifesto. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode with Sarah Duran. If you want to check out any of her stuff, I've put her website down in the description for you, as well as her Instagram handles and her sub stack. Thank you, Sarah, for coming on the show. If you guys enjoyed this episode, if you got value out of it, please let us know by leaving a rating and feedback. If you do that, I will actually send you a signed photo print of mine. So all you got to do is leave a rating and feedback and then take a screenshot of it, DM it to me at Project Freelance on Instagram, and I will mail you a signed photo print. I also have two photography books out, like I mentioned in this episode. If you want to pick up a copy, you can go to justtheletterk.com slash shop. Otherwise... Thank you again. I will talk to you next week for another episode of Project Freelance. Stay strong. Keep enduring.